I got him in contact with my sister two years younger than I that was in uh, contact with him. And uh, I guess he was able to get a hold of her. And maybe that was a way of making peace with his life and all that. He did say, yes, I have Jesus now as my Savior. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not bothered. It's not bothering me, the thought of dying. I'm ready to go. So he left and went there and was waiting on us. But it, it was a tough thing to think about after all these years missed, all the years of possible regret. G'day. A possible regret. Are you helping cook? Is that the keys to the kingdom? Yeah. Okay. Keys to his kingdom, right? <laughs> so anyway, uh, the regrets of doing that, that's something that we need to learn. We were, we were talking about the subject of margin, which in the words of the Bible would be profit. What remains after you've covered everything, the expenses, obligations, and all that profit. And uh, so I wanted to continue on that. We've been on that subject for four Wednesdays now. <laughs> And I, I've told Dola, yeah, I've been able to get off that, but the reason is because we've been opening up. We've been sharing among ourselves, kind of like, not the same way the ladies do, but we've been doing that. It's, that's an intended effect to have in the, the WWP group here. So the margin, oh, Father's Day verses. Anybody want a copy of the verses? I've got one more copy of them here. We can go make some if we need them over there. You want a copy? Okay. And those are the verses that bless our hearts and all that were really important to us. Um, <laughs> well, Brian has been angling for that. <laughs> you notice that. <laughs> Brian, he, he's, uh, his mind, he thinks he's 21, doesn't he, or something, 25, doesn't he, in yeah. his mind. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and yet he sits down with us, and you know that he's not, that, he's not there yet. You know? yeah. <laughs> and not putting him down, just saying, that's, I was that way, is his age. I thought that I belonged with the old people. So, you know. And I do see some possible benefit in that. Mm -hmm. But having lived through that, I think just, just let them be a kid. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's, that's let them develop. Encourage them to grow up, but let them develop. Yeah. Encourage the them. Encourage them. Let them, get, let them make some mistakes. Good evening. How are you all doing? Hey, are we having a happy birthday today? <laughs> oh, this is for the party? Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, awesome. Another party going on out there. Well, yeah. Of course, Okay. Okay. I'll take one. Yeah, I'll take one. I'm just gonna take off the party and let them. Let them finish it off, huh? Yeah. Let them attack it. How's it going, Isaiah? How's 18 treating you? 
any different as you know you know what I noticed I turned 18 I felt no different nothing seemed to be any different other than I had legal responsibility I didn't have before you know <laughs> yeah 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 do we still have to do that I, I thought they did away with registering for the draft so. I had to do it when I was 18 well me too back in in 78 I had to do it but and, and here's my daddy who's been Air Force uh, fireman during the Vietnam War. He said, son, uh, you need to go register. And he says, if your country calls you up, do me proud, okay? Do your family proud. But he says, if they don't call you up, don't you dare go in. <laughs> He'd just been in, spent four years, and he said, don't you dare. <laughs> and I kind of wish that I had done it, but. but uh, Did you want one? Sure. Sure. I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking I'm yakking too much here. Okay. Yakety yak, yakety yak. Thank you. Did you make these or? <laughs> no, uh, that's one of my Sam's. Okay, Sam's Club. They're, yeah, they're, so they're, they're decent, they're decent <laughs> okay. bakers. So you're, you're, I don't know if your tongue will be white for the next week, but if they were blue, they would be blue. <laughs> <laughs> Smurf tongues, right? right. Yeah. Yeah, we have a few of those for kids' birthdays. Where do y'all keep your coffee? <laughs> uh, it's, we're moving it on the, right there inside the door of the kitchen. Left okay. hand, and left the, hand the creamer's the out there with it, too. Okay. And we got big cups for you, too, now instead of a little bit of a little bit of communion cups we used to have. Gentlemen, if uh, I've mentioned it before, we want to start utilizing the gifts of God within you in services stuff. And Sunday mornings, we want to start having an offering special song during the offering time. Uh, and so Isaiah will be kicking us off this coming Sunday on Mission Sunday with a song during offering. Um, and I know that you're interested. Yeah, I can do some. And I had an interest in You've done it before. So yeah, if you'd like point. to, we can get yeah. you scheduled at some point. Uh, After starting that up last week, that's why one of the two song medley came to mind that, that I would have done if necessary. Yeah. No, I, I was. I actually, I had that one song that uh, that I had by special request to do that because of Father's Day, you know. As a matter of fact, Ned Beatty just died. The, the really? Kid that did the banjo. No, Ned Beatty in that movie, Deliverance. He, oh. he just died. Oh, Ned Beatty. Yeah, yeah Ned Beatty. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So let's get back on course. On our uh, our subject of uh, of the margin, the definition of remembrance, the amount available beyond what has been already spent, so to speak, already expended or already obligated in the situation, and and the word says that I believe it's in Isaiah. The Lord said to the people, "I am the Lord who teaches you to profit." And you remember in in First uh, Corinthians 12, God talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He said those gifts are given so that every person can profit from them. There can be something left over and multiplying. That's the principle of be fruitful, multiply. It's not just to add. The Lord adds daily to the church such as to be saved. But in our lives, under the blessing of the Lord from Genesis, that original, that he never has taken back. You realize that? He never took that back. It's always been there. It's just the people made choices that went out from under it. But it's always been there. And Jesus... And what he did, he restored that to that position, restored us into that place. So we need to, to, to fight for, that was one of the principles that was talked about before, learn to fight for our margin.
to fight for the profit that we're entitled to that we should be part of. Uh, and I'm going to have to put these goggles on. It's darker in here. It's a uh, our special room in there had nice sunlight in the evening through that window. It's been a little darker in here, and I'm still dealing with the the issues from the uh, the work that the retinologist did on me here. So I was never an approver of these lights. They're a little. On the, we need more of them. Is what we need. They're, they're, yeah, they're so weak. Uh, Maybe we should get the LED bulbs because they're brighter. They are in there. Are they LED? It's just a yellow. Oh, the the Glass. covers, okay. They're, they're, My eyes were getting getting old about that time. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyhow, they just need to. We need to have more of them or something up here to make yeah, it brighter. We take off the glass. It'd be much brighter. But we then we would have people complain. Oh, that's too bright. Like, you know, I told Dola we need the ceiling fans on, and they turned them off. I said, Why would we turn them off? Oh, there were people complaining it was too cold for ceiling fans on. What? <laughs> We're in here sweating. <laughs> That's hot flashes are in here sweating, okay? Um, so a hurried family situation, what do we do? Uh, we're so busy we can't relax. Uh, we're uncomfortable with quiet. Has that been ever evident in your own life? I can remember in the years, in my younger years, when I had the three kids at home, and I had the ranch, cows, horses, uh, I had the contracting company, I had the church, I had things that I did with another church, I had, and, and added on top of all that for my spare time, Country Gospel Music Association came into the picture. All these things, and the reason I think is because I couldn't handle quiet. I couldn't stand being still and just listening. And maybe you've been there too in your life. But that, that's a, that's a, an issue when you're, uh, you're, you're hurried is you, you, you can't be comfortable with quiet you're seldom satisfied with what, what you have, what we have. Never had that in your own life? On the farm, I was never satisfied with the mules, with the horses, with the cattle I had. Always wanted to multiply and there to be more, okay? Never happy with it. Never happy with what we had at the house, in the house. Never happy with my vehicles, even though we had four. <laughs> never happy. Uh, another thing is shifting standards within the family. Uh, my, an example, my mother's family, she grew up in her family of origin. My mama was the oldest of five daughters, okay? She grew up in a household. Her grandmother, grandfather, my granddad's parents were old line, Pentecostal, Assembly of God folks, holiness. And they really stressed that and pushed that. Um, my mama grows up in that household. My grandmother was in a similar family, grew up in that. So my mama's in this household that was old line Pentecost and all that. Grandpa goes off to World War II. Something happened to him there. He went ashore at the D-Day invasion, June 6, 1944, Utah Beach. He was a combat engineer. If you know anything about the history, I, I'm a history, was a history major. I just loved World War II. D-Day was my favorite part of that. And this greatest invasion of history came aboard the, anybody ever see Saving Private Ryan? Omaha yeah. Beach. Yep. Omaha Beach, okay, there was Omaha, Utah, Juneau, uh, two other ones, I'm not remember the name off the top of my head, sections of beach they went ashore. Omaha was the most focused upon by the, the enemy, by the Germans, the most fortified. They had uh, barbed wire traps that would trap you and drown you or, or drown you in quicksand. They had all kinds of stuff set up, all kinds of mines and bombs to blow you to pieces. 
and uh, Saving Private Ryan, the people that produced that, they had actual people that were there on that beach, and they said that was the most realistic depiction of war they had ever seen. It was on that, that opening sequence of, of fight scenes yeah, and stuff. because I remember that when that movie first came out to theaters, when veterans went and saw it, it actually gave them flashbacks. It, it tore them up, yeah. So yep. Yeah. My, my granddaddy was on Utah, which was a lot easier, much easier to, to deal with, but it was still dead, deadly and dangerous. And so uh, they, uh, the, he went through that, and that kind of changed him, and he meets his firstborn daughter coming back from the war in 45, I think it was. My mama says her first memory of her daddy where she's a little three-year-old, she's born in 43, a little two-and-a-half-year-old, something like that, running, her mama says, your daddy's here, so she's running out there along the driveway in, in Arizona in the desert there with her arms in the air to meet her daddy, and he, he PTSD, he cracked her in the head with his rifle butt, <gasps> knocked her out. Oh, wow. That was her introduction to her daddy. So he, something happened to him there. So she came up in that. Her mother still, she kept her going to the First Assembly Church there, and uh, that's where my mama was married to, the, to my birth father and all. So she kept him going, kept her hooked up. As an eight-year-old child, my mama would go out and try to be A.A. Allen on the streets. She would sit there and have crusades with the kids in the streets and church in the streets with the kids. That's the kind of, uh, of, of, uh, of roots that I came out of. By the time I was born and up, she had kind of kind of left that a little bit. She didn't go crazy and wild and party and, and all the stuff like the other younger people were doing, but she had just kind of left her, her fire for God. And so I grew up in that, and by the time I was five or six, of course, they had split up. She got tired of my dad cheating on her with, with people around town, their little town, and they split up. And uh, so I, I grew up in that not knowing any better, shifting standards. My mama grew up in that atmosphere where she grew up with those holiness assembly of God parents. My mama was the holy one. She was a virgin at 15 when married, stayed holy and righteous before the Lord all those years. Even when she was in a backslidden state, she didn't go crazy. Her sister below her runs off with an Oklahoma guy um, a kind of a you know classic stereotypical redneck fellow runs off with him, uh, gets pregnant, has a baby, gets married, then has another baby, comes back, and they live the wildlife. This guy died a couple three years ago, you know, uh, wildlife. Then the other sister did the same thing, ran off to New York with a guy and did the same thing, and they they're still married today. Uh, the other sister didn't wasn't as bad. She was kind of following my mother more, but she sorted the same thing and the last sister same kind of thing shifting values within a family that's a sign that the margin has been compromised that a family is too rushed and too hurried okay uh, overworked and underappreciated we've all been there right yeah <laughs> you know the the more than a conqueror definition you've heard that right you go out you go out and work work your finger to the bone what do you get bony fingers right like the song says but you come home, uh, your boss hands you the paycheck, you walk home. The missus is sitting there inside the door as you walk in like this, and you put the check in her hand. See, you were a conqueror. You conquered the work week, but she's more than a conqueror, right? She's more than a conqueror. Why? Because 
you did all the work and she got the benefit, right? Supposedly, right? She got the paycheck, okay? I got the gold mine. I got the shaft. She got the gold. I got the shaft. So overworked, under underappreciated, <laughs> and then worrying about things that we can't control. You ever done that? You ever done it? You, you watch the news too much. Guess what? Oh yeah. <laughs> you, you you know back when I was little, it was Walter Cronkite. He was mm -hmm. great. He was fantastic. You know, but then they've gone through the years and they've gotten where now it's a big political statement about everything, and it's always slanted in favor against Donald Trump and against righteousness and. And good sense and all kinds of things. Well, not just that, not just that. Back in the old days, too, you only had it at a certain time every night. Five o'clock. Now it's twenty-four hour cycle. Twenty-four hours, yep. You know, and and, and different heathens anchoring yeah. everything, right? Different yeah. heathen, different a atheists or whatever. So, anyway, we we got that. We can over worry and under. Uh, we can uh, worry about things that we can't control, and then not happy unless we're successful according to our worldly thoughts and definitions of it. Not happy about that. You know, there were times in my younger years because I wasn't in the contracting. There were I'd run across other people, and I'd be mad and jealous because I wasn't making quite what they were pulling in. They're grossing a million or a million and a half a year, and I'm only doing 300, 200,000. And I'm mad and jealous about it. I wasn't successful. Okay. So, uh, Ephesians 5:15 to 17. See then that you walk circumspectly. Uh, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the, day, the, the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. What's worth fighting for? What's in the area of the margin or profit that's worth fighting for? We have to learn to fight for profit. Uh, I want to say this. The word says this. Fight Paul said to Timothy, fight the good fight of what? Faith. Fight the good fight of faith. What is the faith? You know what faith is? It had several. In your Greeks, several different words could be translated to English as faith and were. But there's one really important, urgent, foundational word for faith. It means the body of what you have received and believed and accepted and made a part of you. Because Jesus also said, according to your faith, it will be done to you. Um, yeah. Amen. Holly had asked the afternoon. I hope you don't mind sharing. Oh, we have the prayer network now. That is really cool, guys. If you're not on the prayer network, it is really cool. Holly had said, please pray. The doctor says Noah is stressed and, and, and some little issues coming up. So, you know what? Within just a minute or two, I don't know if you saw it, James. Within a minute or two, we're hearing this ding, 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 ding on our phones, notifications, everybody's coming. And I appreciate that, that, that folks are taking heed to what I've shared about prayer, that we're not going and just bawling and squalling and begging, we're actually commanding things because God said it and taking what he said and commanding. And that's, that's part of our margin, the faith, fight the good fight of faith. The margin is the faith, what we digest to make a part of us and that actually affects life for us. Do we need to let you in for something? <laughs> to, to understand that we've taken hold of this spiritually and chewed the cud on it, like the cows do. They chew the cud to make sure it goes into them and produces something in them. 
chew the cud and it's no longer where's the beef because the beef is here and here. It's built us up. So that's the good fight. If that's the margin that we're aiming for, we're striving for and fighting for there. Um, No, four times. Yeah. They, they, so. they, it's gross sounding, I know, but they spit it up, they spit the food up and chew it over and over four times before it finally gets a part, becomes a part of them, becomes a part of what they're producing. You got to get all the protein out of it, man. Come on now. Huh? So you got to get all the protein out of it. Got to break down every, every yeah. molecule. Yeah. You know, before we add something to our, our I wrote in the, in the notes here, before we add something to our schedule, before we add something to our burden, to our load, before we add something to our load, we need to ask ourselves, is this wise in the light of, dot, 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 in question, in the light of, is this of the value that we're, is this the margin we're looking for? Does this bring the profit that we're after? Is this what we want to fight for? That's what we need to do. Before we add that, we need to make sure we do that. Uh, the Word of God, here's one of the big deals, big issues that we've, uh, we've all dealt with, and you will eventually, as, as a younger man, they will come into your life in a greater way. Just ask Dad. The area of money and possessions. She tried. I, I know, I know. No, no worries, Elise. Elite, yeah. No worries. We'll make sure that you're not that's right. She'll be she'll be uh, added in the you know starring you special know sound special guests. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Jesus, you remember this? Jesus never rebuked or condemned anyone for being rich or wealthy. Y'all realize that? No, go go back and oh, what about the rich young ruler? Different people. He never rebuked anybody for it. He just said. You know, there's a way of saying it. Uh, don't let them. Don't let it have you. You can possess it. You can have it, but don't let it have you. It doesn't have first place in your life. Um, the word doesn't condemn the lack or the possession of money and possessions, except to say that poverty is under the curse of the law. Have you noticed that ever? Go back in and reread. Curse of the law is Deuteronomy chapter 27. God has founded the nation of Israel through Moses, and he's, he's putting the word out to them, okay? That's his word. That's what they're to live by. And he says, if you don't do what I've told you, if you don't act right and do what I've told you, these curses will come upon you. And you read there are several cycles of curses that come on people or on a nation. Uh, one of them is disease. Various kind of, he, and he lists a whole bunch of diseases and ends up the list saying, and anything not written here in this book of the law that's a disease will come upon you. So that's everything in that medical realm that's possible is under the curse of the law. And that's why that, I, that, that we can stand in the pulpit or in a group here praying together, agreeing, and come against sickness of any kind. We have the right because it's under that curse. And how many of you also realize what Jesus said about that curse? Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He brought, he bought us out of that. He, 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 by, 
by this action, by the shedding of that blood that, that says the precious blood of Christ, he bought us completely out of that. It doesn't have authority over us, okay? And, uh, you know, one of the things I mentioned in an earlier session, there is a, a legal side, what's written in this law, book of laws right here, what's written in there, the letter of the law, there's a legal side of the life of Christ and of God. But then, on the other hand, you know, we're a new creation, we're declared that, we're declared absolutely righteous before God, nothing against us. And that's what we need to do as we go to, go to the Lord, praying and everything, realize there is nothing. You might have messed up, but there's nothing against you because Jesus paid it. Jesus took it. And he said, he said, confess them, get rid of it by confessing. Get back in fellowship. Get rid of that stuff and confess it, but and you can't pay for it. In legal terms, you have a new standing that yeah. wasn't there before. Exactly. That's what new creation is, a new species that never existed that has nothing against it of any kind. You know, and one of our big issues I've discovered in in recent months, my eyes were open to this because there have been several times in my life I would actually hear words spoken to me out loud, and it was it was a spiritual thing. It may have been my angels that's assigned to me, or may have been the Spirit of the Lord, may have been God, Father God Himself, but it was a voice without any emotion in it. It was just saying something to me, and it was actually saying what's about to happen, or what I'm wishing, what I'm desiring, what my desire is in this matter. So, and there was no, no emotion at all in the thing. But we get so tied up, don't we, Dwayne? We get so, as, as Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled people, it's good. I, I love the feeling of the Spirit of God. I love all that. I love to, to run the aisles. I love to dance and get happy and scream and holler and shout. I love the emotions. But the things of the Spirit of God and the things written in here are without any emotion to them. They're a, a proclamation. It's a legal decree to us. And so there's that legal side that doesn't have any of that connected to it. And it's ours. It's promised to us. It's ours. It's laid up in an account for us. And it's a matter of us just taking hold of it and pulling it into our, our reality, into our realm here. So we've got that, but then there is another side that I've heard uh, Dr. Kenyon call it the vital side. Vital means living, the life side. How do we, how do we bring, uh, I'm, I'm not bragging on myself, but it, it's as if my eyes have opened to understand how to bring the actual healing power of the Lord into crisis situations in my own life. Now, y'all have already heard how that in, in 81, uh, my, my mama prayed me out of when a doctor said my brain was crushed and scrambled in my skull and fractured and, and broken all over the place, punctured lungs, and, and on the way to certain, according to the doctor, I wouldn't be here much longer, three or four hours. And how that my mama got on the rail telephone and, and other people, I think, were agreeing together, and by the time she got off the phone with the Lord, she said, I knew you weren't going to die. And they, what do you do when you know something? You act on it, right? They packed up, started heading from Phoenix to Tulsa. By the time they got there, I'm up and walking. Okay. Well, I had that example. My mama, who was a little evangelist, eight years old. My mama, she's to this day still my prayer warrior. But I have my eyes have opened just in recent years. That the couple of years back, or it was last year, uh, the doctors walk into a room. I have a foot that swelled up and hurting like you wouldn't believe. 
walks in and says, your MRI results are in, you have MRSA infection in your bones, we need to plan on taking your foot off tomorrow. This is Friday. Now, what would you do if a doctor come and said that to you? Think about that. That's, that's kind of urgent, right? Kind of an emergency situation. A doctor has told you they're going to cut your foot off because you're in bad shape. And I, it's like my eyes have been opened. I was able to, I said, Father God, I did like Hezekiah in the Old Testament when the prophet came to him and said, set your, set your house in order, your affairs in order, because you're going to die from this sickness. And remember what he did? You remember, Dwayne, what he did? It says he turned his face to the wall and sought the Lord. And I was in that hospital bed on the seventh floor of Swedes. I literally, I had a nice window with a view of all the factories and stuff over there. I literally turned my face to that wall and said, Father, I'm not accepting this. I, I would probably more use the example and said Hezekiah, but I would more use the example when the strong forces came in, Sennacherib and his, oh, yeah. and his group and what he did then. He yes. Made, Laid it out before the Lord. That's a real good example, Dwayne, because that's what I ended up doing. Father God, I need, I need promises to stand on. And Proverbs 3.26, it doesn't literally mean this literally, but it says, the Lord will be your confidence and keep your foot from being taken. Okay? So I saw that in there and I said, oh, I had a journal, a blank page. I wrote it in big letters and put Proverbs 3.26. And like, was it, it wasn't Hezekiah, who was that? It was Sennacherib. Um, it was, was it Josh? No, it wasn't Josh fat. Asa. What an Asa? Well, one of, the, one of the godly kings of Israel. Yeah, Sennacherib was a general of the Assyrians. But I'm not about the king of Israel at that time. Yeah, and he, he, he literally took, wrote it out and took the letter from Sennacherib, the threats. And, and said, Lord, you're our God. We praise you because you're our God. Look what he's threatening. Now put a stop to this, Father. So I actually took that out in my journal and said, Father, this is what your word says. This is what this expert here said. This is what she sees and I feel in my foot and I can look and see the swelling. It looks bad and it hurts like, and boy, I'd almost rather not have the foot down there if it's gonna feel like that, you know? <laughs> Father God, this is the, the fact staring me in the face. But look what you've said. Now, Father God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm accepting this over this. If they take, I said it this way, if they take my foot off, you lied, didn't you? <laughs> I wouldn't be disrespectful to him. I was just telling him that this is the truth. If, if they take my foot off, you lied. I'm not allowing that. The word says it's impossible for you to lie. Yeah, that's what I said. The word says it's not possible for you to lie. So I'm going with this. I'm going to tell them, no, we're going with this. I didn't have to tell them because the next morning I wake up and I'm going, my foot's not hurting. What's going on here? And look down there and the swelling had gone down. And a few minutes later, one of the doctors of that team that was going to come do the, the amputation stuff comes in there and he's opens up, he's looking at the foot, he's going, what's going on here? What did you do to your foot, man? <laughs> mm -hmm. 
and then another one, and another one, and a nurse, all of them. What'd you do to your foot? I said, Dr. Jesus got involved with his people. He got here before you did. Hallelujah. And they're all, Amen. and these are, some of these are people, Hindus from India, and they're Muslims. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, wow, wow. Oh, that's wonderful. Wow. <laughs> Six zillion guys ever did anything like that. No. We never heard of such a thing. What did you say his name was? I said his name is Love. Oh, wow. He must love you a lot. <laughs> so you, And I spent the whole weekend witnessing the people coming in. I want to know what happened. See, that's, that's getting a hold of. That's taking this from just a realm of a legal thing in a book that's written here to the vital side of life. And, and we've got to learn. If we're going to walk in and fight for a margin, got to learn to stand for that. And, and I've had to remind people over and over again, here in the family here, uh, family members, whenever they're all bawling and squalling and upset about something, I'd say, those doctors, I'd say, so-and-so, those Johnny or whoever, those doctors are not the final authority here. They're not the final authority. We have a greater final authority right here, I'd say. And here's what we're going to stand on. I'd give them whatever. Here's what we're going to stand on. And this is the way it's going to be. And every single time so far, I had to tell one of them that they were very upset because it looked as if the, the death had been pronounced upon a close family member and they were just going to pieces. And I, I, we finally got them calmed down and, I, and finally said, listen, they got the doctors there watching out for them. And, and I know that you said you have the Lord. Yes, you do. But you know what? You have you and your 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 family member. You have Jesus and us, because we're not going to allow that. We're not going to allow it. And you know what? They're still with us. Glory to God. And that's several people now. That's happened. I'm not bragging on us. I'm saying we. Here's the thing. We as world wrestling warriors have got to learn to step in demand our rights as covenant kids as contract because you it's there for us it's it's written as jesus said it is written right over and over he said it's written and what happened he didn't have to bawl about it he didn't have to raise his voice and jump up and down about it. he just said it's written and what happened the enemy who was throwing stuff at him would walk away run away and we've got to learn as as warriors that's our reality. That's what we need to stand on. Amen? Amen. I don't know why we got off on that. It's not on the script here, okay? <laughs> okay, goggles, goggles. And I'm saying not too long from now, the goggles will be totally unnecessary. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, the Word of God has a lot to say about our possessions and money. Uh, it's good to enjoy the fruit of your labor. That's Ecclesiastes 5.16. Maybe you ought to take notes sometime and look these up. Ecclesiastes 5, 5.18, uh, Solomon, he's called the wisest. Jesus said he was the wisest till me now, okay, when he was here. Solomon was super wise. He was celebrated all over the world at that time, the known world, in history books and stuff, as the wisest king that ever was. And, and you read the stories in the Old Testament about that. But he, he said, uh, uh, we have to learn, the Lord wants you to enjoy the fruit of your labor, uh, he said, then I realize it's good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his, uh, his, in his labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him. 
and realized Solomon was a backslidden man. He wasn't talking as a spiritual fellow at the time. He'd been gifted with God's wisdom, but yet he, you remember the story, he, he, he married all these wives from other countries that were heathens. And you remember the happy wife, happy life principle? <laughs> he, he, he would end up because they were... They, no, because they were heathenized, so they demanded their own little shrine or temple and their own heathen sacrifices and, and probably a heathen priest of some kind. And so Solomon, to get along with them, probably sat in class with that heathen priest to learn their stuff so he could talk their language, you know. So he, he, he was, it says that his heart was turned from the Lord with all the, the wrong seeds that were planted in there. And so he's speaking. He's saying just a natural truth that God's will is to enjoy the fruits of your labor under the sun and have a happy life, basically. Uh, it, it's good for a man to enjoy his career or his calling. Ecclesiastes 2.32. It's good for a man to enjoy his work because that is his lot, his assignment. And I think everybody has a calling. Everybody has a divine destiny. It's one of the problems. One of these days we'll get into in Christ problem solvers series. We'll call it series. We'll call it one of the, the the problem solving devices is to have a personal sense of destiny. Know why you're here. Understand. Have a reality inside you. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? What am I doing? Why Why do I know? Why am I married to Rebecca? You know. Hey hey now. Why am I married? To hey hey now. Why am I married I'm to away. Dola? You gotta go there. <laughs> But to have that sense of destiny, there's a reason, you know. There's because you can't do without her. This is true. You can't do without her, you know. Yeah, don't be an author of confusion. Don't yeah. put any doubts on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I told my boys when they were they were kind of I've got two of them, Eagle Scout boys and all. I'm, I'm proud of them. But I told both of them when they were both had an interest in the opposite sex and the possibility they knew there would be a point they would be fruitful and multiply and all, and thinking of a young lady. And I would say, first of all, above anything else, you know, she needs to be attractive to you, of course, but she has to be your very best friend. You better like being with her. You better be f good friends with her. Because if you're not friendly to each other, it won't be a happy time for you <laughs> in that wedding and that marriage, you know. So that was one of the things that I shared. So that's an important thing to, to, to hook into that arena of life, okay? Let me get the goggles back on. This is aggravating here. I told James, I told him these, these will be gone soon. <laughs> okay. I'm standing on the word. Uh, you remember Moses? He, he, several years back, I went into, there was a friend in Oklahoma that was running an eyeglass store kind of a place that had an optometrist. And they had the eye charts. You could check your vision. And uh, as a joke, she said, why don't I let you check your eyes out with my deceased wife there, you know? And we're going along here, and I'm doing down this chart. She looks at Ann and says, you let this guy drive you around? She was laughing, but she meant your vision's gone so bad. And at that point, I thought, I better, I better get on my faith here. And I found the verse where it says Moses, in the Old Testament, at age of 120, it says he was 120 years old. His natural force or natural energy vitality was not lessened, neither was his eyesight dimmed. So I began to say, Father God, if Moses, your old covenant man, could have this, I'm going to claim that with him. I'm going to say this before you from now on. This is my lot in life. Uh, uh, my natural vitality is not abated or lessened, and my eyesight is not dimmed. I claim 2020 past 120 years old. 
Thank you for that nod over there. <laughs> I, I don't plan to be here at that time. Well, <laughs> no, well, the reason I would say that is because remember the Lord at the end of the flood situation? Remember those guys were living to 900 years old, 800, 600 years old, and God said because of the wickedness, the sinfulness of people, the days of men will be 120 years old. That's not, it didn't mean 120 years before the flood. It meant the days of a man's life will be 120 years old. And that was normal for a long time back then. And we've gone downhill since then, right? There was a period of time, 30 years old was an old man 500 years ago, you know, 600 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, and then and in recent years, we've gone up, but you know what? We get hooked back into our proper spiritual position. We can stand on that. So what I, I tell Dola, hey, it says 120. I plan to be here. And I said, I'll have 2020 at 120. Okay. And I'll be strong as the day I came out of Israel, out of Egypt, you know. So anyway, <laughs> stand on the word. Don't put up. Don't tolerate. Okay. Don't tolerate what the devil's throwing your, what the world's throwing your way. So, where were we? Good for a man to enjoy the labor of his, of his days. The Word of God also has serious cautions about money and possessions. Uh, Jesus talked about a warning about lust and covetousness. Luke uh, 12, 15. Then he said to them, watch, uh, watch out be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. Something I've discovered, uh, I, I turned 60 in December and everybody went, oh. I know, I know, but <laughs> anyhow, uh, over those, that period of decades, I've discovered this. You get stuff and you know what? You gotta take care of that stuff. You don't take care of the stuff, you're not gonna have it long or it'll fall apart on you, right? You don't, you don't maintain that car, guess what? <laughs> maintain that Maserati, guess what, you know? So I've discovered you get stuff, you gotta take time, to take, it takes more of your time to take care of it, more of your mental energy and all that. So Jesus was telling us, don't get hooked up on your stuff. Don't get focused on your stuff. Um, this is getting tiring. <laughs> uh, there was a warning about lukewarm ease in life uh, Amos chapters 6 4 through 7 how terrible for you who sprawl on ivory beds and lounge on your couches eating the meat of tender lambs from the floor and of choice calves fattened in the stall you drink wine by the bowlful wow and perfume yourselves with the fragrant lotions you care nothing about the ruin of your nation therefore you'll be the first to be led away as captives suddenly all your uh, parties will end so understand that israel at that time there was judgment being pronounced and god was stating the obvious to them you guys have gotten so prosperous you've become lukewarm you've turned away from me you have all the, the brisket you can eat, basically is what he was saying. That's my, like my favorite of all the beef, brisket, okay? Kinda all the brisket you can eat. Huh? Kind of sounds like government at the time. Yeah. At this time. Yeah. It really, and they're trying, to turn, they're trying to turn us into that. Further on, put that into context. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're putting, the latest deal was they were about to try to push through a $2,000 a month per person stimulus check until the, until the pandemic's over. So how much 
2000 a month per person. Imagine that. They're really trying to make us into at ease in Zion type people like he's talking about here. So anyway, God, there was a, a warning about that becoming lukewarm and comfortable in your ease, okay? Then uh, there was a warning about consuming the consuming power of riches, Mark 4, 10. Uh, that parable of the sower, but the worries of this world and the deceitful riches, deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and they choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Remember I shared with you, fight the good fight of faith. Definition of faith, it's the body of what you've imbibed, you've, you've received and made a part of your being. The body of the word, the faith, the, the belief that you have that you can stand on and get results from, okay? So uh, he talks about the warning about the possessions and stuff, uh, the, the, the lust for riches and the, the desires for other things come in and they, they, they choke the word of God. It becomes unfruitful. Your number one assignment is to get this word and become fruitful, right? Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. What is fruit? That's production. What's the fruit of a cow? Milk and beef, right? What's the fruit of a lamb or a sheep? Wool. Sometimes, some places, milk. Mutton, which I don't like too much. I like I like the little lamb. What do they call the lamb mutton? It's good, but I don't care for the adult stuff. But anyway, there's that. That's the fruit of a lamb. What's the fruit of a farm? The corn or whatever. What's going on there? So each of us, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Fruit is your righteous works remember psalm 15 several weeks back we talked about who's going to stand in the hill of the lord who's going to be god's favorite who's going to stand next to him and, and walk with him the ones who do these certain things and live a certain way and part of that was the bearing of fruit of results from your life you're created you're destined to do something for god the bible says this in ephesians 2 he created us to what created us to good works. We're not saved at all by them, but he created us to produce them, okay? Good actions. And I'm trying to think, I could, I, probably all of you could write books about the things the Lord has had you do and how you've been a blessing to people in different ways and stuff. And I, I've got all kinds of ideas and things to think about that. One, one, here's one that kind of popped in. We were part of the Association of Faith Churches and Ministers, and we're still that, but I don't pay the 100 bucks a year deal anymore. But uh, they still call me and, and want us to come to their deals. And uh, we had a big convention in Tulsa at a, at a big church there. And uh, I was still doing, had the contract and support the missions haven't, doing the missions work around the world. And there was, uh, we're, I'm sitting in the back half back here, and I glanced down during an offering time, and we're all giving. And I saw this man down there, and he obviously was not an American fellow. He was, the way he dressed and carried himself, he was different. Turns out he was from Siberia in Russia. He was one of our AFCM ministers who just joined us. And he and his wife were down there, and, and uh, the Lord said, I want you to take him to Dillard's or somewhere and buy him some suit, him and his wife some suits, nice clothes for the ministry. Oh. <laughs> And I'm sitting there going, oh, 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 that hurts. <laughs> you understand that, right? Oh, Jesus, that hurts. <laughs> That's right. The fat wallet is gone. <laughs> has gone the way of the dinosaur. Okay. Well, anyway, I, I uh, waited till the service over, went down and grabbed him by the hand 
and said, sir, I don't know your name. I'm, Ma I'm Matthew Sint, and this is my wife, Olga, and we talked. And I said, the Lord has told me that I'm to, to be a blessing to you, and I'm supposed to take you to Dillard's because he wants you to have some nice, uh, some nice clothes and nice suits to minister in and to lead your ministry wherever it is, wherever it's going to be. And he, they got so excited. They were just crying and stuff, and we took them. And I, th I think I bought him four real nice suits and his wife four real nice suits. It was like $1,500. But at the time, I didn't feel like I had, but, hey, glory to God. For the whole bill or each suit? For the whole bill. You know, Dillard, 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 huh? Yeah, I was going to say. That would be one suit now. That was 1992, I believe, is when that was. So anyway, we, we stretched, and my deceased wife at the time said, yes, 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 we're going to do that. So we went and did that. Matthew and Olga went back to Siberia, and it was a fantastic ministry that they founded and started. I mean, this is remote. Their vision was they had a kind of a steamboat-type thing, the, the Volga River is the huge river going through Russia, okay? They could take their areas that, that the government won't even hardly go to in Russia, up there in those remote areas of Siberia. The government doesn't mess with them. But there were people neglected, had never heard the gospel. And so what they would do would be load that boat up with clothes and food and different things to be a blessing, go up there, show up on the shore, the people come greet them. They would fellowship with them for a day or two, cook them a feast. Um, provide some things they need in clothes and share the word with them and start a church. And they did that at place after place after place. It was a blessing. It was a seed. Well, guess what? We were blessed. A year later, I was able, I was able to walk into, was it men's warehouse? One of those kind of places like that, and and order seven nice suits that I can still wear today. Glory to God, and had the cash to pay for them, blessing to pay for them, just. The return on that, the blessing, the, the being a blessing, the being a, 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 a yielder to the Spirit of God was able to do that. So the possessions didn't have a hold of me there, and my wife, thank God, praise Jesus. So anyway, the warning about the possessions, uh, Jesus looked at him and loved him. You know who he's talking about? This is Mark chapter 10, verses 21 and 23. Remember there was a younger man... Uh, in, in Jewish society, you remember the Pharisees, you heard the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the reason they were called Sadducees is because they were sad, you see. That's the whole reason right there. But they, didn't the th they didn't really, they were unbelieving believers, so to speak. The Pharisees were, were kind of like, similar to our word people today, they follow, oh, we're after the word, you know. It was similar to that. But then they, their hearts, they just, they didn't really truly grab hold of it. They. The word says to take care of the needy. The word says to be a blessing to the orphans, the fatherless, the widows. They wouldn't do that. They'd oppress them. They'd steal from them. But anyway, uh, this was a young Pharisee. And uh, Jesus, he'd come up to Jesus and said, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a big deal to these Jews back then. And Jesus, it says, he, looked, uh, he said, First of all, keep all the commandments. You remember what the man said to Jesus? Lord, I've kept these things from my youth. I've kept the word from my youth. And you know what the Bible says? Here, here's the Mark chapter 20, 421 or 1021 through 23. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now, wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like for the Lord Jesus to be talked to you? And it says he loved him. Catch, you, catch, you caught his eye. You caught his attention. Jesus looked at him and loved him. 
He said, one thing you lack. He said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. Now when you read or hear that, what's your first thought? Play like you're this young, rich young guy, this, this rich government official, probably a multimillionaire, and play like you're him. What, what's your thought if that was said to you? Oh. See, you've got a spiritual outlook, but think about these people were not born again. They did not have the Holy Spirit making them more think like Jesus and to make them more like Christ, right? These are people still of the flesh. They did things because this said to do it, but down here, not, not necessarily at work in them, you see, you understand? So this man, it says he was sad because he had great possessions. Why was he sad? He didn't realize he hadn't been with Jesus. I understand, Jeff. He hadn't been with Jesus, sh Jesus sharing, them watching Jesus. Jesus was the giver of all givers. You think about that. You remember that it says that Judas, the night of the betrayal, uh, he said to G Judas, Judas, do what you need to do. And it says the disciples thought that he told them to go give to the poor. That meant that that happened all the time, right? Mm -hmm. They thought that was a typical thing. They expected him, Judas, to be going out and giving to the poor. So he's the giver of all givers. He's demonstrating the idea of giving, it shall be given to you. And so he's telling this man, give every, uh, sell everything you have, get loose from it, and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Now, why would he say such a thing? Because it says in the word, he that gives to the poor, he lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him. He, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't telling the guy become a poor welfare person or something like that. Give all your money away and become a, a, a poor church mouse. He was saying, do the word and you've lent to the Lord. The Lord will repay you. You'll still be rich. You have treasure in heaven. My God shall supply your need according to what? His riches in glory, right? Amen. By Christ Jesus. So he's telling that guy, guy, think this way. Give that all away and you'll have the treasure and the Lord will repay you and take care of you. But the man with a carnal mindset was sad at the saying and, and went away. I think that this guy, Jesus, was offering him the 12th apostleship. What happened? I think that was your honor. Oh, that was my gong show, okay. Gong, gong, gong. Cool. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> I appreciate that. So anyway... To, to finish, we will continue to try to finish this margin subject next week, I guess. But uh, so at the, this, the, the man's face fell and went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who are rich here to enter the kingdom of heaven, to enter the kingdom of God? Why? Because it has hold of them. It has them. They don't have the, they don't have the riches. It has them.